0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Track and the Storm podcast. Uh, my name is Brandon. Uh, this is going to be a little different of an episode this week because it's just me. Uh, we actually just had a very, very discombobulated schedule between the three of us this week. Um, I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go to a music festival, and I'm the only one with any editing experience here, so... We had to try to figure out a time that at least two of us could get on, and it just never really worked out. So here I am, hopping on here, probably going to do about a half hour, just look over a few things. uh, Prospects, tournament, and then a little bit of a training camp preview, and probably not even going to do much editing here. and just going to put it out. So sorry, it's going to be a little bit of a condensed episode, and I don't know. Maybe you guys will, maybe you won't, like, listening to my voice for the next 30 minutes, but I think we'll be all right. But before we jump into anything else, Tracking the Storm is a part of the Hockey Podcast Network, and this episode is going to be brought to you by DraftKings. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you won't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 3 game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage are required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right. So, like I said, going to be a little bit weird this week for me just talking to myself. Not something I've done before, but uh, I guess what we'll do is we'll just jump right into some uh, prospects tournament stuff. Um, obviously, the Hurricanes won just one of their three games. A little bit of a disappointing showing in that regard, but there was still definitely a lot of good things to take away. Um I guess the easiest way is to just run down the roster and kind of talk about a few different guys here. You know, the most obvious place to start is probably with Seth Jarvis and Jameson Reese. And, you know, I, I lumped those two guys in together. And maybe it's just partially because I'm biased because you guys know how I feel about Jameson Reese and just Seth Jarvis is the best prospect in the system. So obviously he's going to be there, but I think those two kids showed a ton Jarvis him especially was just, I mean, you could tell he was kind of head and shoulders above the rest. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what comes out of camp here because, you know, we kind of talked about this a bit and there's really just not room for him, especially after the Cockney acquisition. acquisition um, before him, you know, we thought maybe there was a chance because the Hurricanes were still a top nine forward light, but I can understand the Hurricanes not really wanted to go into camp banking on Jarvis being ready. And there's probably an argument to be made that he's not quite ready for NHL duty. I mean, as good as he looked here at a prospects tournament, he's 19 years old. He's barely played since being drafted. You know, last year, obviously, was such a wash for so many players that they just missed out on a lot of development time. A full year back in the W would probably do him a lot of good. But I'd still, and you know, just watching this past weekend, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he forces the Hurricanes' hand. Now, the question becomes, what does that look like? Because at this point, the Hurricanes have nine forwards that need to be in the top nine you're not going to put a kid like Jarvison on the fourth line, obviously that really doesn't do anything for his development. And you don't want to rush a kid like this because you can see the goal scoring potentially has, you know, we, and we've seen what the Hurricanes have done in the past when they rushed a player like Elias Lindholm or Noah Hannafin or so many others. So there's no reason to get, you know, forceful with this. There's no reason to force a kid. That's not, you know, you don't think is hundred percent ready for NHL duty right now. As far as Jamison Reese goes, I think we could end up seeing this kid in the NHL at some point this season. You know, he has the advantage to where he can start. He is now going to be eligible for the AHL, so he can start the year in Chicago. And then, you know, when the time comes, if the Hurricanes need a forward, I think he'll be on the short list of candidates. He also was definitely one of the most noticeable players out on the ice. You saw the playmaking skill. He made multiple beautiful scene passes to Jarvis um, that led to goals. And he, he just looks the part. He skates well. He's obviously such a pest and so hard to play against. And, you know, the the phrase I just kept seeing thrown around was complete pain in the ass. And that's what he's going to bring. And Hurricanes fans are going to absolutely love him. It's the reason that I fell in love with this kid pretty much right after the Hurricanes drafted him. And I really started looking at him. I I just think that kid's got a really bright future. Um, You know, I see a lot of Brock McGinn comparisons, and I agree with that, except for I think he's going to be more of an offensive threat than McGinn really was. Um, that's a guy that you will be able to, you know, throw on the top line eventually and let him play alongside, you know, an Ajo or Svechnikov and let him be a complete pain in the ass, you know, harassing the other team, winning puck battles, winning possession. And then he's got the ability to really make stuff happen after he wins that possession. And we saw that at this tournament. Um, you know, again, and the forward lines are very, very stacked right now. Like, there's just really no room for him to truthfully make a push for the team right now. But I, I do think one more year and by next training camp, this kid's going to be pretty much a lock to make the roster um, probably right out of camp. We'll see how the hurricanes roster is shaken out by then, but I, I think he's very, very close up next. Uh, Jack Drury was a player that actually was given the C a couple of times. Uh, you know, not that that means a whole lot, but that kid is just pretty much a quintessential. He could be wearing probably should be wearing a letter for the Hurricanes someday. Uh, just, you know, he's a very vocal leader. You can tell how mature he is just from the inter- interviews and the way he talks and his play backs that up. You know, uh, Drury struggled a little bit in the offensive zone. Um, I I didn't quite see the you know, he's normally a below the circles kind of guy, just very, very smart. He wins battles in the corners. He's in the right position and he's got a pretty good shot. And, and he can make plays from the goal line, too. You know, he likes working that little uh, goal line and just making cross seam passes and stuff like that. So he was quiet offensively, but I don't worry about that too much. Um, I, I think I said before this tournament that he, he was really one that I was more concerned about in training camp than in an environment like this. Um, we know what kind of season he just had in the SHL, which is obviously a much more difficult level of play than here and it's three games. I mean, let's be real here. This goes for everybody. I probably should have made this disclaimer before now it's three games. Guys have bad three game stretches all the time. Guys have great three game stretches all the time. You can't take too much from it. Um, But I will say Drury was a little bit quieter than I would have liked to seen, but I also think that this guy's pretty close to NHL ready and is another guy that is very, very likely to be uh, in the NHL at some point this year, especially if a center needs strikes. you know That's the difference between he and Reese. You know, if, if a guy goes down on the wing, I see Reese being a very, very good call-up candidate. If a guy goes down down the middle, I think Drury is pretty much a lock to be the next one inserted. Unless the Hurricanes decide to move Martinuk over to center, which I would much prefer to just have Drury up and leave Martinuk on the wing where I think he's better, but that's another story for a different day. Next up, uh, we'll stay with the kind of top prospects and go to Dominic Bach. Um, Bach did not have a great three games. I I got to one point where they called his name and I was like, oh, right, he's here. Uh, He did have a cannon of a goal, a beautiful power play goal uh, where he got a one-timer, I think, Selburn delivered the pass, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Bach fired a one timer and it was absolutely gorgeous. And you know, that's the kind of flash that makes you say, Okay, yeah, this kid, you know, he is going to be dangerous in the NHL someday. But he's got so much work still to do. Um, and, and again, it, it could have just been a bad three games for him from him, but that's one of the problems with him is the inconsistency, and he's really got to start being better in his own zone, using his teammates better, and just generally being a more consistent player. Um that's the next step for Dominic Bach this year. It's kind of a big year for him. He's only 21 years old. He turns 22 in February. Um, so he's got plenty of development time yet. It's not really a red flag for an offensively talented kid to have inconsistency and in defensive issues like Bach does. But again, you look at that goal, you look at the shot, and he had some nice one on one moments as well. That's the other very good part of his game, is – and probably part of the problem, at least to him being a little bit, you know not selfish but he doesn't use his teammates as well as he could because he thinks he can beat everybody one-on-one because in a lot of younger leagues he was able to he has dynamic ability with the puck on his stick his hands are fantastic i saw him dangle around a couple of guys in this tournament, but that's something that you really only use when you, n- you need to and he just always wants to it seems like if that makes any sense he tries to dangle through everybody instead of using his teammates. And that's a problem. That's not going to work at the NHL level. Those guys are going to light him up or just steal the puck from him. And Brendan Moore is going to be like, yeah, get on the bench. Or go back to Chicago, either one. Both. <laughs> but, um, yeah, not a great tournament from Bach. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see him back in Chicago because I still think he's going to have a very big year there with his talent. But the consistency and the two-way game. I don't, he's never going to be great in his own end, but he's got to at least put forth a little bit more effort there. If he can accomplish those things, he's still got legitimate top six potential, and he's got to be excited about. All right, we'll stick with some forwards here, um, and then we'll check on the defensive guys later. We'll talk about Suzuki a little bit, the other member of that top line alongside uh, Seth Jarvis and Jamison Reese that was very, very good throughout the tournament. Um, Suzuki was okay, I thought. Um, he had his moments and he, he continues to bring that physicality and that like heavier game that we started to notice at the world juniors when he was put in a fourth line world with Canada and we know he has the skating ability and the passing ability he wasn't carrying the pace of play and he wasn't as dominant offensively as a guy like uh, Jarvis or even Reese was but I still think he's a guy that's positioning himself to be able to break into the NHL in a variety of roles, which will obviously go a long way with Rod Moore. Next up, we'll talk about the two uh, 2021 draftees and Bobby Orr and Justin Robida. I missed the first game. Let me go ahead and put that out of the way. Uh, which is why it would have been nice to have Matt and Alex here, you know, cause they could have helped me out a little bit with this stuff, but that's fine. I'll do it all on my own guys. No worries. Um, as far as Robodot, I thought he was very noticeable on many occasions, especially with his skating ability. He's a smaller guy. They both are really. Um, but Robodot a couple of times kind of surprised me with his speed down the wing and just, he made some things happen in the offensive zone on a couple of different occasions. We're not going to see either of these two guys in the NHL for quite some time at this point, um, you know, 18 year old <laughs> later round picks. These aren't guys you expect to see within your first few years. But I think the fact that Robida was like really keeping up and even carrying the pace of play at times disposed very, very well for him as a prospect and what he could be able to accomplish over the next couple of years with continued development. Or again, I saw some quickness and some speed that I liked but I feel like I saw very, very little of him uh, again. I only saw, and, and even in the second game, I missed some chunks. <laughs> it's funny because I saw like every single Tampa Bay goal. And I think I saw like two of the hurricanes goals. It just so happened that every time I looked away, the hurricanes would score. And every time I was there, the lightning would. So sorry guys, it was probably my fault. They ended up losing that one, but anyway, um, or yeah, I just didn't see much. Um, and, and again, he's an 18 year old, in his first NHL tournament or, you know, prospects camp. So it's really not worth taking a whole lot away from it, but uh, we'll see what his own QMJHL season has in store. And uh, he's another good looking prospect that could be fun to watch over the next couple of years. He has a nice skill set. All right. Next up is uh, Stelio Mateos. And this is actually a guy that I had mentioned when we were talking last week about guys that we were anxious to see. And he was a guy that I had pointed out and I don't think he disappointed at all. Um, he didn't really do anything to write home about offensively, but he was just huge pass to play against and looked like a quintessential fourth-line guy, like very much in the vein of a Jordan Martin Like tough to play against. Um, he was hitting everything that moved, getting in guys' faces, not backing down from anybody. And you love to see that. Um, obviously, this kid's had such a tough road to get to where he's at right now. Um, so I'm really hoping for a big season from him. Uh, and lastly, as far as the forwards go, we got. Well, actually, we have two more players. Uh, I'm not really going to talk much about the invites here because, to be honest with you, and again, I didn't see the whole tournament, but I can't really remember like two plays from any of them. Um, You know, I was just paying more attention to the guys that I don't want to say matter, but from a Hurricanes perspective, it's kind of the right, you know idea. Like these guys, are, none of them are probably going to make, uh, actually, as a matter of fact, none of them did make the training camp roster. So they're all headed back to their junior teams or unless they're getting an invite from another team to go to training camp. But I, I didn't see much from any of the invites. Um, so we'll go to David Cotton and Blake Murray are our last two. Cotton was really quiet. Um, he was like the oldest player on the Hurricanes roster, if I'm not mistaken. And I just did not see as much as I was hoping I would from him. Um, and, and he's probably always kind of been on that borderline of like 13th forward or career AHLer. um, just, you know, realistically, he showed a lot at Boston college, you know, he was a captain, went back all four years and you know, scored a ton of goals in his last couple of seasons. But I just don't know if he has the speed or the dynamic, you know, he doesn't need to be dynamic to make the NHL, but. He needs to have something that gives the Hurricanes a reason to, you know, put him in. Like, I just don't know that anything he does is really NHL level. Um, He and again, maybe he's a guy that eventually you can call up if you really need to, if your Hurricanes are really like struggling with injuries and their depth is really running out because they have a ton right now. And then to the fact that I don't think Cotton would be an option until like the nineteenth forward or something crazy like that. But I just didn't see a whole lot. You know, I know he's got a big frame and he plays a pretty good power forward game, but I I was hoping to see a little bit more with him being so much older than the rest of the competition. And the last forward, uh, Blake Murray, good skater, huge shot, very raw. Uh, And and that's really been the book on him for a while, but he's still only 20 years old. As a matter of fact, he just turned 20 back in July. So, you know, a couple months ago, he was still a teenager. Um, So he's got a lot of development time left, much like Bach and, you know, a lot of these guys we've talked about and, I bring up the Bach comparison because it's the same deal where he's just got that shock that like you dream on what kind of threat he could be at the NHL level. Still love it. that He was such a late round pick. You know, he was projected to go a lot higher in that 2019 draft. So he's still wanting to keep an eye on over the next few years to see if uh, the Hurricanes can unlock something there. All right. So now we'll move on to the defenseman. And, you know, there was a lot of invites here too, which I thought the defensive invites were a little bit better and a little bit more noticeable, um, than the offensive ones were, but also none of them are going to be really relief factors for the Hurricanes. And I'm kind of trying to get this done and get out of here because of how little time we really had this week. So we're just going to talk about Joey Keene, Bryce Montgomery, Jesper Selgren, and um, Ronan Seeley. Um, so first of all, Joey Keene was great. Uh, you see the skating ability. He has a little bit of a funky stride. You know, and, and it's always thrown me off. I think I've said this even on this podcast before. It's like when you see him skate, he doesn't look like a great skater. But then you see the little, you know, turns and agile little moves he does to create space for himself in his own end, holding on to the puck, um, getting a four checker off of him. And you can just tell how polished he is as a skater. Um, I didn't love the season he had last year. And it's, I feel like this is a pretty big year for him, despite being so young and a defenseman who inherently take longer to develop. But uh, you know he he made some good plays on the power play. Um, even strength he was fine. I, I I just thought he was probably the Hurricanes' best defenseman. He was playing next to Ronan Sealy. We'll talk about him in a second, and they were very solid. Uh, yes, for Selgren, I'm a big fan. I, I definitely think this guy has an NHL future. Um, and he had some struggles at the tournament. I will say. Uh, particularly that game against Tampa Bay where the Hurricanes defense as a whole was just not very good. Um, and, that, and to be honest, that kind of could probably go for the entire tournament. Cause there were some breakdowns, even in the last game against Nashville, they allowed a five on two that I just don't really understand how that's even possible. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I have to, there was no replays either. So it's not like I could go back and see like, was that a bad line change? And, and I think like when it happened, I was like kind of only partially paying attention up until I realized they were about to score Nashville was. Um, so I didn't really see what led up to it. But the, the, the Hurricanes defense as a whole was pretty meh. But Selgren, he's just so smart out there. Like he reads the play so well. He makes smart passes. He's a good skater. He defends well for a smaller guy. Um, I think this is one that I definitely can see slotting into the third pairing, even if you need to probably this year. He's not flashy whatsoever, but he's not going to make mistakes. And that's what you want out of a bottom pairing defenseman. Now, if you look at the Hurricanes depth chart, you've got so many guys they brought in Jaden Chatfield, Josh Jacobs, um, you know, even Brendan Smith. Like their depth defense, right? Depth on defense right now is extremely a long list of guys with NHL experience that could play right away. Um I said before the tournament that you know a great prospects camp and then a great training camp could springboard him to maybe the number 8th role. I really thought Selburn was capable of doing that and he still is. Um you know it's again the prospects camp and tournament you know only means so much really. So if Selburn goes into training camp and really impresses I think that's absolutely still on the table. He's a good player. Uh lastly right Uh up next Ronan Sealy, Um Again, the skating ability, is it just absolutely pops off the screen to me. Uh, I saw a couple little, you know, kind of similar to what I was talking about with Keane, the little transitions when going from forward to backward and just working the blue line in the offensive zone a couple of times, look really impressive. Um, He's really good in his own end. He was very, very solid defensively. With him, it's really all about how the offensive upside works out. Uh, And with his skating ability, it's absolutely there. If he can continue to, you know, just own, own in on his skills a little bit, become a little bit better of a passer. Um, read the play a little better, work on his shot a little bit, you know, any of those things really. And especially if he can do a combination of them and, you know, improve them all, which is not outside the realm of possibility. um, I think this is really a good pick for a seventh rounder, a guy that could definitely make some noise in the NHL someday. Um, It'll be a lot of fun to watch him in Everett this year, because I expect him to have a big season as a veteran defenseman in in the WHL. And finally, we have 2021 draft pick Bryce Montgomery. Uh, as friend of the podcast, Steven Lorenz said he's a big boy and he showed it a couple of times. You can see why the hurricanes drafted him a big kid that skates pretty, pretty well for his size and defends very, very well. Uh, he made lots of plays on his own end that I was impressed with. Um, he's another guy that's going to have to work on his puck skills. Uh, he, you know, kind of struggled at times to even make pretty simple passes on the breakout, And just generally, he's got a long ways to go in terms of play with the puck. You know, offensive zone, defensive zone, all of it. Obviously, it's an important part of the game, no matter how much you can shut down the opposing teams forwards. But uh, he's got a ton of development time. Again, he's playing with London and the OHL. So he will be fun to hopefully see him grow into a more polished presence over the next couple of years. Because I think when that happens, he can be kind of similar to like a boom Niketian. I mean, I think Niketian has more offensive upside. Well, I think he definitely does at this stage, but uh, Montgomery's got that same size and ability to just be a thunderous physical presence on the back end. So we'll see what the next few years have in store for him, but a good initial showing at prospects camp. And finally, we'll go to the goalies. Um, I feel like it's even harder to evaluate goalies than normal in this environment, A, because the defense has really struggled. And B because we didn't get replays. You know the camera angle wasn't great to begin with, and there was a couple of times where I started to like write out tweets, and I was like, "You kind of want to say there," and then I'm like, "I actually don't know because I could barely see what happened. I don't know if that deflected. I don't know if his eyes were taken away by a player out. Like I couldn't tell anything that was going on. So it was a couple of goals, especially from Beck Warren. I thought he was probably struggled the most out of the three goalies, which. It was pretty wild because I probably expected him to be the best of the three. Um, Beck's not a big guy, but he's pretty athletic and he, you know, gets across his crease really well, good agility, but I just thought he kind of looked easily beatable at the tournament. I, I don't know how else to put it really. Um, and then Itu Makaniemi, who was absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't really know why he only got one game. He played the entirety of the first game, and then uh, Patrick Hammerla and Beck Worm split the last two. Uh, But McEnany had absolutely by far the best performance at Prospects Camp because that first game against Florida, he was absolutely sensational. Again, I didn't see it. I'm the bad luck. But um, from everything I've gathered, from the people I trust – Matt and Alex included, so this will be their cameo on the show. Uh, very, very impressive performance that just showcases athleticism. And uh, the reason why you know we think he has a legitimate starter upside, the athleticism, he's got a good frame. He reads tracks the puck really well uh, and makes great recovery saves. So uh, long ways to go still for a 22-year-old goalie, but a very, very impressive initial showing on North American ice. It's going to be fun to track him wherever he's at this year. It'll be interesting to see how that works out because you'd like to think a 22 year old that's coming over from Liga isn't going to the ECHL. Like that's a decided step down in competition, but with Dylan Wells Beck warm and Alex Lyon ticketed for Chicago, who knows what the game plan is there. So that'll be definitely interesting to watch over the next few weeks is what happens with Mac and And lastly, Patrick hammer Um Now this performance I did get to see, on like Mac and but I was extremely impressed with Hammerla. for an 18 year old goalie, you know, coming to his first prospects camp and training camp, that kid looked really good. And he very much fits the same vein, like Makiniemi of recent hurricanes, goaltenders, Peter Murazik, Alex Nadelkovich, you know, those guys were even smaller than Hammerla and Makiniemi are, but these guys play like that aggressive athletic game that gets you a lot of really good saves, but occasionally can kind of put you out of position. Um, and and there was definitely times where Hambleton kind of especially struggled with that, you know, his his coverage of the short side was sometimes, you know, he he was just a little over aggressive. You know, Matt called it happy feet. Um and I I think that's very accurate. He just you definitely wanted to be a little bit quieter in his crease. But he's an 18-year-old goalie and for him to come in and have the two performances he did at this tournament were very very promising. So, yeah, that's about all I've got for uh Prospects Camp. I, you know, I even probably went a little bit longer winded on that than I meant to, but uh and now we'll jump into the actual training camp, the next stage of this offseason, as we ramp up for NHL hockey just a few weeks away at this point, ladies and gentlemen. Training camp is opening on Thursday, so probably by the time you're hearing this, actually, it will have opened. Um, and we get some really interesting storylines to watch this year. You know, the Hurricanes had as much NHL roster turnover as anybody in the league this year. Um and it's going to be a struggle. Well, you know, not a struggle, but it's going to be a challenge for Rod Brendamore and his staff to work through what's going to work for so many new faces in this group. Um, lots of storylines to watch here. Where's Kakaniemi slotting in? What are the Hurricanes forward lines look like as a whole? Are they going to roll with SAT right out of the gate in order to try and get Sveshnikov going from the jump? It's a big year for that kid. Um, obviously, he's coming off the big extension. Uh, the Hurricanes have him locked down now. So it's time for him to have a bounce back. You know, you know, one year, you're not going to sit there and say, oh, he has to you know, make a break season for the kid, especially after he just got a long contract. But I I hate to even put this idea in anybody's heads. But I've seen a couple of kids sign contracts, and they come back after that, and they're kind of like, well, now I've got my money. The game kind of goes away. All of a sudden, you got a lot of regrets. And it's not just young players. Hell, Alexander Simmons did the same thing. Now, Svechnikov, you know, I'm not going to, lump that guy in with them he has the work ethic we know that he has the ability to be a top five player in the nhl but you also don't want to see some doubt start to creep in from him or from even the hurricanes you don't want that doubt to creep in for him to start doubting himself and you know things snowballed last year the same thing could conceivably happen because of how hard he is on himself and i'm not saying that is a bad thing he wants to be great that's part of his work ethic and drive that has made him such a great prospect and why we think he's going to be an elite player, but you want him to get off to a good start this year and you want, you know, things to not start snowballing on him and turn into what they did last year, where, you know, obviously down the stretch, Feshnikov is not the player we were used to seeing uh, big years coming up for Nino Niederreiter and Vincent Trocek. Um, obviously both those guys are in contract years. Uh, what's their future like with the hurricanes? Do they even have room for them next year? Are they going to want to spend money on him? We've talked about this a little bit. The Hurricanes don't have a great track record with their UFAs lately. I think one ends up staying. I don't think the Hurricanes can let both of those guys go and try to fill it with, you know, younger players or, again, new faces. You need some level of continuity. You know, so many big-time players within this organization have left in the, this offseason, you know, key faces, key members of that locker room that everybody, you know, Associates with the Carolina Hurricanes. So, you know, their culture here, guys like Brock McGinn, Warren Fogel, Dougie Hamilton, Peter Morozic, those guys are very, very well known popular Hurricanes. And, you know, at some point, all that mixing and matching and bringing in new faces and lack of continuity is going to come back to hurt you. And obviously, the guy that everybody wants to talk about where's Tony D'Angelo slotting in? Is he going to be on the top pairing with Jacob Slavin right off the bat? That's probably the betting favorite right now. And I know that's going to irk a lot of people, slotting him right into Dougie Hamilton slot, but from a team perspective, you need him to fill that role. And you need him to provide the same thing that Hamilton did. But that ability to have confidence in your partner covering for you is going to allow him to be the offensive presence he's capable of being. It'll be interesting to see how all of the defense shakes out, really, because You've also got Brady Shea and Brett Pesci probably ticketed for the second pairing and then the two newcomers in the bottom pairing and Ian Cole and Ethan Bear. Obviously we've talked about Bear a lot, very excited to see what that kid can do here. Um, you know, played legitimate top pair of minutes in Edmonton last year, really talented young kid that uh, I think could have a very, very bright future here in Carolina and be a core defenseman that this team builds around for the foreseeable future. And then finally, just to kind of piggyback off of some of the stuff we've been talking about here with prospects camp or the prospects tournament, excuse me, Um, which one of those kids is going to press, you know, and it could be a Dominic Bach or somebody that, you know, maybe didn't have the best tournament. Who's going to come into camp and prove themselves, you know, a candidate to actually take NHL menace this year. There's plenty of candidates, you know, some of these prospects are starting to get a little bit older, been in the system, been around the organization a while now. I've already mentioned Jamison Reese and Seth Jarvis as two obvious candidates, Jack Drury as well. That's just going to come down to how many spots there are on the NHL roster. I would love to see Jarvis get a little bit of a cameo to start the year, you know, kind of similar to what Martin nietzsche got uh, before his first pro year that he had the seven game trial. And, you know, after he scored his first NHL goal immediately got sent down the next day, but I would love to see Seth Jarvis get that opportunity. I think even if he doesn't stick for the entire year, that could be valuable for him just so he can, before he heads to the WHL to go out there and say, this is where I'm at against NHL competition. This is what I need to work on. This is where I can improve this year in the WHL so that next year when I come back here, I'm ready to take this league by storm. This kid's got the entire offensive package that I'm very, very excited to see brought to Carolina. Even the chemistry he showed with Jamison Reese, having Reese be his playmaker, you know, the Taravainen to, you know, Aho. Reese is capable of being that playmaker, and Jarvis can fill the net coming off those seam passes and nifty little plays. Jamison Reese was making on the breakout in transition and gaining the offensive line. That pairing could be a future pairing to watch for. So I would actually like to see them matched up in training camp. I think that could be really exciting. Um, and then the goalie, what's that going to look like? Frederick Anderson is probably going to be the one A, right? That's I think we can all probably agree on that. But Antti Rance has arguably arguably been better throughout his career, maybe since. Anderson's early days in Anaheim, so it'd be interesting to see how that works out. The goalie position as a whole is just going to be super fascinating to cover this year. Obviously, it's been under the microscope all off season. Hurricanes didn't re re-sign Mrazek, traded away their you know Calder candidate goalie, and then brought in two veteran guys. It's going to continue to be under the microscope because if these guys underperform, especially if Nedeljkovic goes to Detroit and has a big year, there's going to be a lot of questions that are going to start to come up about this front office. And, of course, it's just going to come down to they kind of made a gamble and it didn't pay off, but at the same time, this organization or this front office, this regime hasn't done much to create doubt from its fan base. But all of a sudden, this offseason, it seems like all the goodwill they bought up, they've kind of thrown out the window. And with the D'Angelo signing, if this comes back as well to haunt the franchise, they let a guy like Nedeljkovic go, and it turns out to be the wrong move there's going to start to be a little bit of heat under these guys. And I don't think they'll be on the hot seat or anything like that, but they're going to need to make a good impression that next year. That's for damn sure. But anyway, guys, like I said, this was just a very quickly thrown together piece. Probably not going to be much editing. And I know I was stumbling over my words at times this week. So cut me a little bit of slack for doing this on my own and not having time to collect my thoughts while somebody else talked. Um, But I promise we are making it up to you. Uh, we have probably the guest that I don't want to say we're most excited about, but it's it's going to be a banger next week. I can tell you that much. It's, it's, it's a guest that we're nervous as hell for. Um, not going to give you any hints. You guys will find out whenever we announce it. If that is beforehand, maybe it will be. But if not, you'll find out about a week from right now. As always, thank you guys so much for all the support we've gotten. Uh, we love doing this. You know, just three guys screwing around, talking hockey. It's, you know it's not like we're making a crazy amount of money or anything it's just something we genuinely enjoy and we're so glad that we have all of you guys supporting us and uh letting us continue to do this uh usually this would be where i would go back and find the old clip of matt saying it just to let him have his bit but since all of our guest hosts have been doing it lately and i don't want to take the extra editing time on this tight schedule right now i'm just gonna go ahead and do it for you but ladies and gentlemen it is a great time to be a carolina hurricanes fan